like to say good morning. I want to greet you in Christ's name. It's good to be here with you. I don't know about you, but I've really been blessed already being here in our worship service. I study of the betrayal of Christ and the scene in the garden is touching to me and it makes me appreciate Christ and God. The title of this morning's message is Why Doctrine Matters. And I invite you to open your Bibles to the text which is found in 2 Timothy chapter 3. We'll begin reading at verse 14 and it goes over into chapter 4, verse 4. Why doctrine matters. For some of you uh, young people, maybe the word doctrine is not really a familiar one, but I trust by the end of the message it will be more familiar to you. What does doctrine mean? One of the marvels of our age of technology is a radio service called Pandora. I don't know how many of you are familiar with it, but you can listen to music online. And I used to use it quite a bit. I use a similar app now called iHeartRadio, but this is uh, a way to listen to music that you can tailor on your own. You can choose the type of artist that you want to listen to, the type of music, the kinds of songs that you want to listen to. And the marvel is that these people have come up with a program that allows you to tailor your own music. In other words, you, there's a little, I don't know if those of you have used it, notice a little thumbs up and a little thumbs down sign right next to the songs as they're playing. And you can give a thumbs down and it'll skip that song and go on to another one and give you, give you another try. If you put the thumbs up sound, it strengthens an algorithm, an algorithm that they use to calculate what type of music that you actually like. And so you can kind of listen to what you want to listen to. And it matches your taste in music. And hopefully you're listening to, to good Christian music. And you can choose and you don't like this particular song, you can give it a thumbs down and it can, it can skip that one and go on to something that you are more comfortable with and that's, that's uh, God-honoring type of music. Um, I would like to use that as an illustration of, of, about Christian preaching that goes on in, our, in, in Christian churches. And unfortunately... Um, that model that Pandora has done so well with is, is used with preaching. And basically, preachers become so attuned to what is popular they, that they will, they will respond to an algorithm of thumbs up or thumbs down. Did you like the message? You didn't like the message. Okay, well, we'll change the message a bit next time. We'll try to preach a little bit more what you want to hear. And what works well for a style of music is not what we should be doing with the preaching of the Word and the teaching of doctrine. I, I like 1 Corinthians and love, so I, but I don't like... Uh, 1 Corinthians 13 talks about love, and I like that Scripture. I'll preach about that. But I don't like 1 Corinthians 11 because it, 
teach us that we need to, our ladies need to wear a veiling. I like the book of Joshua about God bringing the Israelites into the promised land, but I don't like the parts where Joshua killed all those people. I like Jesus, the baby in the manger. I don't like Jesus who calls his followers into a life of cross-bearing. I like Jesus in the Beatitudes. I don't like him when he talks about selling all our possessions and giving to the poor. We tailor if we're not careful, and customize our view of Scripture and ultimately our view of God. It's like we have our own internal algorithm all the time sorting through and processing the biblical data to say, oh, I'll accept this part. I'll preach this part. This part is useful to modern society. But this other part I'm embarrassed, maybe even ashamed of. And this pick-and-choose generation doesn't need that. We need to hear the Word of God as it's given. We need the doctrines, pure and simple, right straight from the Scriptures. We need to hear the Word as it's given. The great foundational doctrines need to be shared and the great truths about our awesome God need to be shared, be emphasized. The doctrines of God, the fall of man, salvation, and the church need to be understood and appreciated by all. We need to talk about the end times and what the Bible actually says about them. Our text that we want to use this morning is from 2 Timothy. And it's in this book that we, we, we hear the final teachings of the great Apostle Paul that we have recorded for us. And it was teachings to his son in the faith, Timothy. And Paul, I believe, was very concerned that the teaching would go on to the subsequent generations. The connection to the next generation that he had was through his protege, Timothy, the young man, Timothy. He says in in chapter 1 of that epistle, he says, Follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Let to begin this message with defining just a little bit what doctrine is. Doctrine is a word that sounds really uh, almost godly. It sounds uh, religious at least. But it's not really, it doesn't have a really profound meaning other than it is teaching. Doctrine is teaching. The word doctrine means teaching. And uh, that's what it is. Um, The Bible refers to the doctrines or the teachings of men. It also refers to the doctrines of demons and the doctrines of God. That's what doctrine is. It's the teaching. Some of you who know the Greek word didache is where that comes from in some cases. Great doctrines of the Bible is what I'm concerned about this morning. And I, I came across this definition of doctrine that I think is, is pretty good and I want to share it with you. Doctrine is teaching from God, about God, that directs us to the glory of God. That's what doctrine is. Doctrine is teaching from God. It originates from God. It's about God. The great principles about God. And, and that... The end result or the practical result of, of this doctrine is, is to glorify God, to bring glory to God. 
And the study of doctrine, of biblical doctrine, is somewhat formalized, and uh, maybe too much so, but there are basically considered, when you go to study the great doctrines of the Bible, um, there, are, there are seven, considered to be perhaps more, but there are basically seven great doctrines of the Bible. Um, and uh, I want to start preaching um, the great doctrines of the Bible. That's my plan for the near future. Uh, I had taught uh, through quite a number of books of the Bible in the past. In the last 20 years, I taught through the book of Romans. I think I cut my teeth on that, kind of. Uh, I taught through the book of Genesis, 1 John, St. John, James, Philippians, Hebrews, and most recently through 1 Corinthians. And I'm going to take a break from the expository preaching, Lord willing, in the near future and, and spend some time, a block of time, it may be years, I don't know what the Lord is going to lead, but I want to really spend a bit of time looking at some of the great doctrines of the Bible and some of the, some of the basic teachings of the Bible that are so profound and so foundational to our faith. Um, I think what kind of brought this thought to me was the opportunity that had been presented to us as a family to go to Haiti, and I was going to be looking at some of the great doctrines and teaching some of the great doctrines to the ministers there. And when that seems to be that we shouldn't go, I said, well, why don't, why don't I do it here? Why don't I do some of that doctrinal teaching here in our church? I think we all can use some of that to, to solidify our understanding of Scripture. And there are basically... Uh, Seven that are often treated maybe that way. The first one is the doctrine of God. And uh, it's also referred to, or the study of God is called theology. Theo being God, ology being the study of God. And so the doctrine of God is, is the first and primary doctrine, I would say. The second one would be the doctrine of Christ, also referred to as Christology. Looking at Christ, his preexistence. His incarnation and virgin birth, his ministry, his miracles, and then of course his atonement at Calvary and what Christ is doing today. Thirdly is the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, pneumatology, the person and work of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The fourth one is the doctrine of man, anthropology, the study of the doctrine of man as, script, as presented in Scripture. What is man? The nature of man, the fall of man the nature of sin. Then there is a great doctrine of soteriology or the doctrine of salvation. A great doctrine to spend time with. Redemption, justification, sanctification, glorification. There is the doctrine of the church. Ecclesiology. Some of the great doctrines relating to the church, the nature of the church, the aims of the church. Church government, the ordinance of the, of the church. And then the last one is typically the doctrine of last things, and that is ecclesia, eschatology, I'm sorry. This is eschatology, the, stud, the, the, uh, the study of end times or last times. Today, I feel led to do an introductory message to doctrine, and the, I chose the title, Why Doctrine Matters. 
Because there's a lot of controversy about whether you should preach doctrine or not. And there's a lot of debate in, in, in circles of, you'll get, uh, you'll get uh, minister groups coming together and they look at the benefits of teaching doctrine versus other types of teaching. And uh, there, there would be some that would object to it. They say it's too controversial. Doctrines are just very, very controversial. Let's not do that. Uh, doctrines are boring. Doctrines aren't practical. There could be a lot of uh, objections to it. And I, I say there are none of those things. The great doctrines of the Bible are profound. They are there for our learning. And what a, one of my goals, and, and please come tell me sometime in the future if I'm not meeting that goal, is to make these very, very practical to our own um, learning and our own experience today. In this world, the, the society that we're in, the church setting that we're in, we want to make those very, very practical. If you have your Bibles open to our text, I invite you to stand as I read. The text is 2 Timothy 3. Begin reading in verse 14. And we're going to go on through uh, chapter 4, uh, verse 4. 2 Timothy 3, verse 14. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. But as for you, continue in what you have learned. This is Paul uh, writing to Timothy, his young minister that he was... He was trying to pass on these teachings to. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped, for every good work. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Many of you see that word teaching as doctrine, with complete patience and doctrine. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching or sound doctrine. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. You may be seated. This is the charge of Paul the Apostle to his spiritual son, Timothy. And the charge is very serious, to preach the word faithfully, to pass it on in season, out of season, even when it seems that people don't want to hear it. He says that all Scripture is profitable for teaching or for doctrine. It's for good for reproof. It's good for correction. It's good for training in righteousness. And then the Apostle says that the time will come when people will not endure sound doctrine. People will not endure sound doctrine. And I, folks... The time is now. The time is now. People don't endure sound doctrine. They don't want to hear it. They are uncomfortable with sound doctrine. Um, they would rather hear other stuff. They don't want to put up with it. 
They would rather hear messages that don't bring conviction or responsibility. They would rather be entertained, very frankly, from the pulpit. They would say that doctrines are controversial. They're old-fashioned and severe. Just tickle our ears, please. Just scratch our backs. Just soothe our consciences. The latest myths are more comfortable, they would say. I want to answer the question this morning, why doctrine matters. And there are four main points to the message. The first point is doctrine speaks to our point of need. In the answer to the question, why does doctrine matter? It speaks to our point of need. That's why doctrine is important. All doctrine begins with God, but there was no need for doctrine until man sinned, until man fell from his original state, and then there was this great need for teaching, for doctrine. God is meeting that need through His Word, through the great teachings that we can read in God's Word. Philip Yancey writes in Christian Today an encouraging truth that he heard from a young man, Mike, who works with the homeless. This young man, Mike, would go and, and, and work with homeless people, try to witness to them. Mike told me that homeless people, having hit bottom, don't waste time building up an image or trying to conform, and they pray without pretense, a refreshing contrast to what he found in some churches. I asked for an example. He said, my friend and I were playing guitars and singing as the deer pants for the water brooks. When David, a homeless man we knew, started weeping. That's what I want, man, he said. I want that water. I'm an alcoholic and I want to be healed. Biblical doctrine, when, when we read the scriptures the way they are meant, it meets us at our point of need. It speaks right to the point of need that we, where we personally are. That's what biblical doctrine does. It speaks to our point of need. And it spoke because man is cut off from God. Man is cut off from God and he needed to hear doctrine. He needed to hear the doctrine of salvation. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and, come and fall short of the glory of God. Sin is falling short of the glory of God. Anything less than the glory and holiness of God is like an arrow falling short of the mark. Sin is rebellion. This is the sin of transgression, the sin of Satan and his angels. Sin is moral impurity. Sin blinds the sinner to his real condition. And it's only as the light of truth is brought to the point of his need that he is made aware of the terrible nature of sin. I've been reading through um, the Old Testament. Um, one of the things I like to do is every once in a while I will start a reading plan where we read, I read through the whole Bible in a year. I don't know how many of you do that. I encourage you to do that. Maybe not every year, but every once in a while, go back and read the, the Old Testament again. Even those parts that seem somewhat boring and somewhat lengthy and tedious, like, uh, like Leviticus and Numbers and, and Deuteronomy and so on. But go back and read through those. Why did God have that in His Word for us? And I was anyway reading 
uh, not too long ago from Exodus. And I was impressed again why God took his people to, the, to Mount Sinai and spent all that time with them there. You wonder, why? Why didn't he just take him to Canaan? Why didn't he just take him on through? Why did they have to go there and spend all that time in front of that mountain? And I've been impressed with the thought that God needed to teach them about his holiness. God needed to show show them that he was a holy God and that they could have no other gods before him. You know, they just came fresh out of Egypt. And they had been in with all that idolatry in Egypt and had grown up with that. And that's all they knew. But God needed to take them out and show them one of his attributes. And that was holiness. His absolute abhorrence of sin and the fact that God can have no other God before him. There can be no other God before him. I invite you to open your Bibles for a few verses from Exodus 19. I want to talk just a little bit about the fact that God wanted to impress his people with his holiness. It's an amazing demonstration of God and his holiness. Exodus 19, verses 16 to 19. And the setting is this. They are camped there in front of the mountain. A million, I think more than a million, maybe close to two million people all out spread out there in front of the mountain. And uh, reading from verse 16, On the morning of the third day, there were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him in thunder. I would like for us to picture that for just a moment. God showing his people, his holiness. And that is what the doctrine of God is all about. One of the things I want to really spend time is when we look at the doctrine of God is, is His holiness. God's awesome holiness. We heard that in the children's class this morning. God is an awesome God. He is, he is fearsome in holiness. Doctrine speaks to our point of need. Man becomes his own point of reference. Man becomes his own point of reference. We start to think that we are in charge of our lives. Elmer Towns was a Dean, I think, of the Doctrine of Divinity or doc, uh, of the School of Divinity here or the seminary here with Liberty for many, many years. He wrote a book called Concise Bible Doctrines. And I find that to be a, a really good study or what I've gone through so far of biblical doctrine. I want to use it quite a bit in our study. But he, he says that the fall of man has created an upside-down condition. Instead of man placing God on the throne, man sits there in supreme ignorance that he has usurped the place of God. Doctrine teaches man that God must be placed on the throne and only when man understands God's nature and program can man begin to get his problems solved. Man becomes his own reference and that's all upside down. Thirdly, man suffers alienation from God and isolation. 
All humans experience that because of sin. The great doctrine of salvation shows us what sin is and how it affects God. It highlights the, the, God's desire for a connection to be made with His people. Man searches for meaning. They're looking in all the wrong places and talking to the wrong people. Man is filled with anxiety like a boat without an anchor, without purpose and connection. The great doctrines of the Bible help us to bring meaning to our lives. Man marches inevitably toward death. The wages of sin are death. The gift of God is eternal life. And this is the doctrine of salvation by grace and shows how we can have eternal life in us and that we can pass from death to life. So, that is the first point this morning is that doctrine speaks to our point of need. Why doctrine? Why should we study doctrine, the great doctrines of the Bible? Why does doctrine matter? Because doctrine speaks to our point of need. Number two, doctrine is communication from God. Doctrine is the way that God communicates to us about Himself, about Christ, about the Holy Spirit, about sin. He communicates to us through the doctrines found in the Scriptures. We love God and want to know all about Him. It's much like any good relationship that's developed. We want to know about that other person. Maybe a dating relationship that you had or a marriage relationship that you have. If you really are, if that relationship is important to you, you want to know all about that other person. What makes them tick? What makes them ticked off? What makes them happy? What makes them sad? How do they work? And one of the things I, I teach in a relationships class that I do is that a good relationship is, is enhanced so much when we become a student of the other person. When we try to find out what makes them what they are and what, what works for them. When we become a Christian, we want to find out about God. We want to find out what it is that God likes. What makes him sad? What makes him happy? His nature, his character, his purposes, his commandments, the work that he's doing in the world, his intent for us, his plan for the future. The doctrine of God is inexhaustible. And I would warn you that if I were to get on a roll with the doctrine of God, I could preach on the doctrine of God for a year or years. God is so inexhaustible. Brothers and sisters, there is no better pursuit than any of us than to know God better. There is no greater pursuit than for any of us to study God, to show what He has revealed in His Word about Himself. What it is that He has in mind. What it is that He is like. He is an amazing God. I'm waiting for an amen. He is an amazing and awesome God. And we, can, we will be so lifted up. I find when I focus on God that I am lifted up in my spirit. 
I am, I am so blessed when I look and, and explore what God is, what He is. The doctrine of salvation is communicated in two ways. First of all, it's communicated in a proposition. What does it take to be saved? I won't ask you to turn to it for the sake of time. Let me read a few verses from 1 Corinthians 15. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, and that He was buried and He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. So the doctrine of salvation is all about how to be saved and what salvation is. But even more important, the doctrine of salvation is a person. It's not just a proposition. It is a person. When I share the doctrine of salvation, I have to, I have to preach about who? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is what salvation is. He comes into our lives. He impacts our lives by the fact that He's living in us. He showed us what God is like. He taught us about God. He showed us what it meant to to face the terribleness of sin. We saw in our Sunday school lesson this morning. Biblical doctrines brings the good news of the gospel and a relationship with Christ. The third main point to our message this morning is why doctrine matters. Doctrine shapes our spiritual walk. Doctrine shapes our spiritual walk. The way we walk with God is shaped by the doctrine that we understand and the doctrine we adhere to. The doctrine, the teachings that we adhere to shape our spiritual walk with God. Story about uh, a man up in Montreal, Canada. Pierre Paul Thomas was his name. In the 1940s, he couldn't play hockey with his brothers and it broke his heart. Hockey is a big deal in Canada. Thomas was born blind long before a cure was available. So far, so for most of his life, he could only imagine the world that people often described to him. For years, he walked with a white cane to avoid obstacles in front of him. But at the age of 66, Thomas fell down the stairs in an apartment building and fractured the bones of his face. He was rushed to the hospital with severe swelling around his eyes. A team of doctors went to work to repair the bones. Months later, he went to be examined by a plastic surgeon for a consultation about repairing his scalp. The surgeon casually asked Thomas, Oh, while we're at it, do you want us to fix your eyes too? Thomas did not understand, nor did he know how to respond. Not long after that, Thomas had surgery and could truly see for the first time. Suddenly, his world consisted of bright colors he had never fathomed before. He spoke of being awestruck by flowers blossoming and trees blooming. As beautiful as this story of a 66-year-old man who was able to see for the first time is, there is a sad reality. He could have had the same surgery at, about, at a younger age and been able to see earlier. Thomas had assumed such a possibility was impossible and had resigned himself to a life of blindness when in reality he could have experienced the gift of sight decades earlier. 
Doctrine shapes our spiritual walk. Biblical doctrine helps us to understand the world we live in. It sheds light on the world that you and I live our lives in. That's what biblical doctrine does. It tells us answers to many of the perplexing questions even in our culture today. Why is homosexuality a sin? Why shouldn't we just live together instead of getting married? Why are people around us so clueless in bringing up their children? Why do they not have any direction in their lives? Biblical doctrine is the answer. It helps us understand the world we live in. When we learn about God, what you learn about God will affect the way you relate to Him. His love, His holiness, His sovereignty, His trustworthiness in difficult situations. Is our picture an accurate one or is God someone we have made into a God of our own choosing and misperception? Doctrine, the great doctrines of the Bible, the doctrine of God, the doctrine of salvation, the doctrine of the church helps us to get rid of some of those misconceptions. And we need to faithfully keep searching those doctrines because we can, be, we can make a God of our own choosing if we're not careful and we can be so thoroughly deceived what you think about salvation will bring security or insecurity into your life. I did to mine. I grew up as a very insecure individual. When I realized that God loves me, just like a father loves his son, I, it brought so much tremendous security into my life. Because I started to understand that just the way I, I love my son and want the absolute best for him, that's the way that God loves me. That's the way that God loves me. He's not waiting to hit me over the head. He loves me. Your understanding of doctrine affects your worship of God. God is a spirit. Those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Your doctrine will help you to understand who God is and how we are to worship Him. The final point to this morning's message, major point, is that doctrine provides a basis for faith. It provides a secure basis for faith. The doctrines that we learn about God and salvation and the Holy Spirit and the last things provide a basis for our faith to latch on to. You don't need to turn to it. Let me read just a couple of verses for you from Romans 10. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who hath believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the Word of God. Doctrine is the instrument of faith. I sat and looked at that statement. I wrote it out. I thought it was correct. I'm still looking at it. I think I've got it correct. Doctrine is the instrument of faith. It is the thing that we can use to understand what reality is. 
Faith is placed in God who is revealed by the great doctrines of the Bible. Our faith, faith must be grounded in correct knowledge, not something that is not true. So many people are sincerely wrong. They have placed their faith in things that are not real and are not true. To illustrate that point, there was a young group of young people went to Japan. High school students from America went to Japan and they were there sightseeing and what have you at the World's Fair. I don't know when this was. And they decided to take a subway into the downtown area to purchase some souvenirs like all good tourists do, and they went down there, took pictures of each other, and posted them on Facebook. Well, I don't know. Maybe they didn't have Facebook, but they were there anyway. And they got all done with their souvenir shopping and whatever, and they got back to the subway station, and they saw the sign, they, they saw this kind come up, and they jumped on the train, and they left. All of a sudden, they realized they, this is not the right train. They got on the wrong train. You gotta sympathize with these people. Hate when that happens. Sincerity. Insincerity. They jumped on that train. They thought it was the right train. They thought they were going to get back to where they were going. They didn't get back where they were going, at least for a while. People are jumping on wrong trains today. Yes, they are. Very, very sincere people. They're going on the wrong train. They don't know where that train is going. But they're jumping on it. And they're riding that train. And they're not going to get where they want to go. That's why doctrine is so important. That the doctrine that we base our faith on is, is actually going in the right direction, if you will. It's going to take us where we want to go Sincerity does not bring salvation. Sincerity does not foster real life change. Sincerity does not set us free from the bondage of sin that grips people in darkness and fear. The truth is what sets us free. That's what the Bible says. Our faith in the truth of God's Word must generate within us a volitional response. And by that I mean faith must change our will. There must be a choice that we make in response to faith. I don't have time to go into that this morning, but faith is on three levels. First is just knowing facts. Let me use the example, and I've used it before, of a, of a bottle of antibiotics that you got. You heard all about antibiotics and what a beautiful, good things that antibiotics can do for you. You heard about it. You know, you, 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 you've, you've heard about it. That is knowledge. That is the first level of faith. The second level of faith is assent that you make in your mind to that truth where you say, well, I've seen it work in others. That is an assent that you make to the truth. And that's where the teaching of doctrine becomes so very important. We've got to know, first of all, the truth. And then we've got to morally assent to it. But then finally, we need to take that bottle of, of antibiotics, whatever kind it is, take the lid off and put it in our hand or however you do it, put it in your mouth and ingest it. We have to make a commitment to that truth. 
And that is what real faith is. And that is the faith that saves us. We make a commitment to that faith, to that person behind that faith, and to what they are doing for us. Doctrine is the instrument of faith. Our faith must result in a volitional response. Our faith is the secret for victory in our Christian experience. We read that in 1 John. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. We grow in faith by following scriptural principles. We grow in faith by seeking the Lord. We grow in faith by confessing our sins. We grow in faith by surrender. We grow in faith by constant communion. We grow in faith through the testing of difficult experiences. We need people, we are people of faith and make no secret of it. And that faith is grounded on the timeless, the timeless true Word of God, the way that God has chosen to reveal Himself. And it is only secure as that those facts are secure in that person. God Himself is secure. Okay, just a couple of words in, in wrap-up here. Um, why doctrine matters. I hope that We've shared a few things that can strengthen your belief that doctrine does matter. The, the, the doctrines, the great doctrines of the Bible are, are very important to us. Doctrines matter because they speak to our point of need in our departure from God. Doctrine is communication from God to show us about God. Doctrine shapes our spiritual walk with God. And finally, doctrine provides a basis for faith. God bless you.